Welcome to the Creative Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Rodney Avo. I'm a photographer, creative strategist, and an all-round good guy. And I'm going to be speaking my truth, sharing ideas, thoughts, and practical advice for unleashing a creative lifestyle. Hello, creative ladies and gentlemen. It's the Creative Habits, and I'm your host, Rodney Avo. It's the end of the year, and this is the final episode of our first season. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Eight months ago, and 15 episodes later, here we are. And to top it off, the podcast recently landed a sponsor, and is none other than Flipboard, the slick news reading app. Can I, I, man, when I started this, up, this, this podcast, it was for fun. And if you told me that I would have a sponsor, let alone Flipboard, I would have told you to calm down and manage your damn expectations. But man, I'm here to tell you, forget that. Forget managing expectations. Expect what you expect. Expect and dream as big as you want. Talk a big game, then go out there and do what you said you are going to do. That's been my mood this year, and long may it continue. And what this sponsorship means is that I will be taking this podcast more seriously. If you, if you thought this was something, you ain't seen nothing yet. I've considered a lot of the feedback I received, so best believe I'm trying to do better to give you guys the best listening experience. Am I not generous? Are you not entertained? <laughs> so, so this has been my best year, hands down. So many things to be thankful for. So many notches added to the belt. Not just for me, but my colleagues, friends and families, people I work with, people I respect and, you know, in one way or the other, associate with. I'm just pleased that a lot of the people I know are doing well and we're just trying to support each other and pull each other up because we're all in this together. We can only go further together. So when I was planning this episode, I wanted to give you guys something to talk about. I wanted to, 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 to make this episode a special one. I want to you know, talk about something provocative that gets the people going. I, 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 my, my hope is that by the time you're done listening to this episode, you either love me or hate me. You will call me up and speak your freaking mind. You're gonna, you know, you're not gonna, you, you know what? Basically, you're not, you're not gonna leave this episode without feeling some type of way, for better or for worse. I don't know what it is, but just trust that this is gonna be the best. This is this is worthy of a season finale. You know how season finales are usually the the most <laughs> incredible things when it comes to, to 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 making a show. This is it, and it was difficult to 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 pick because I wanted to focus on a major highlight of this year. Um, because so many happened for me, so, so many things happened, it was hard to choose. But I settled on my three week trip to Nairobi, Kenya, as the focus of this episode. There's so many things to unpack, yo. Kenya is is. Is like a is on a whole other kind of, you know, level time zone. I don't know how else to, how else to explain it, but um, it's 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 lit out there. So um, there there's I mean you're gonna love this. I talk about the food, the weather, the women, which are in my opinion some of the most I mean some of the best in the world. So stay tuned to find out why. I talk about the difference between Kenyan gender dynamics and Nigerian gender dynamics. You know how like like. The gender roles and gender issues, how Kenyans experience it as as uh, in, in, as opposed to how we experience it as Nigerians, and it's incredible what I'm about to share. After speaking with several women and men, I have an understanding of of patriarchy and how different countries and communities and societies are shaped by their relation to it. This is this is uncharted territory for me. You know, I also talk about what I liked and disliked about the city, particularly what it was like getting my first tattoo. So, so it's, it's, it's so much to, to get into, and I, I hope you guys, you know, indulge me. Okay, so you should know that this was also my second time visiting the city. The first time I was here purely as a tourist on holiday, but this time I came on invitation to give one of my patented talks on creativity at the Nairobi Art Center. And it was at this event that I met my very special guest for this episode, Makena Obura of Kenzie Designs. She's an interior designer and a fashion designer. And McKenna and I will be having a, a, an intimate conversation on her craft 
and the challenges she faces being a creative entrepreneur in Nairobi, and in Nairobi, among other things. And that will be coming up later in this episode. It's a really good conversation to wrap up the season, so do listen. So let's talk about, let's talk about, you know, what's up? Let's get into it, all right? Shall we? All right, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> I'm excited, you. Can you tell? I'm freaking excited. Let's go. So let's talk about Nairobi and why it was so dope. You should know that Nairobi is a world-class city that has gotten most things right. Abuja and Lagos do not compare. It's a glaring example of what you get when resources are managed right. It's comparable to Johannesburg, Cape Town, um, uh, I mean New York City, anywhere in the world. You would, you would always know that you know, Nairobi is up there with them. And it's, what, what they've been able to accomplish with their tourism alone is just incredible. Fun fact, oh, I, I mean Kenya in general, but fun fact about Nairobi is that it's the only major city in the world with a national reserve smack dab in the middle of it. Not, like, not a tiny one, like a, a large, an, an entire other habitat and civilization of you know, beasts and just the, the African experience that you know and love right there in the middle. So just imagine having a, a whole ass rainforest right in, right in the middle of New York City. That's how you can, how you can imagine it. So it, it, it's pretty common to hear that lions or some animal have escaped and are roaming the streets. Nairobi is wild, yo, and I encourage you to visit. You don't have to leave the continent for a world-class experience. Nairobi is it. Trust me. And here's why. Here are my thoughts. These are, these are some of the things, reasons why I love the city. First of all, the weather. Nairobi has one of the slickest, best climates in the world all year round. Humidity is non-existent. I went bike riding in the forest on a sunny day and I barely broke a sweat. The sun could be bright as hell, but the temperature will be perfect. It's always cool during the day and chilly at night. The weather is so ideal that they, they, they don't have fans and air conditioning in their architecture. Just open windows. They hardly use the ACs in their cars. And so you, you know that they're always saving uh, fuel. They're not like contributing too much to the CO2 levels in the atmosphere. So, you can, so that also helps why the, the, the climate is so, is, is so cool. It's like a self-fulfilling cycle. And you can tell the country has good weather if the country grows and exports tea. Quality tea, uh, quality tea leaves only grow in cool climates. And Kenyan tea is among the most potent in the world. You have to understand, I come from a place that is incredibly humid, dry, hot and dusty most of the year. So please understand why I'm gassed. Just listen to this pre-recorded conversation where I was gushing about the Nairobian weather to a Kenyan friend of mine. Just look at this weather, fucking, fucking, fucking hell. This is a gift from God. This is not. It is. If every day was like this, at least, we just have to smile about, at least. You just come out and stand. You just shit is going wrong in your life. You just come out and stand for one minute. At least I have some goddamn good weather. Mm-hmm. Then you go back inside and face whatever the fuck is. <laughs> you know, these are the means to come out and get some some fresh air. You get some actual fucking fresh air, yeah. and then you go back inside and fight your battles. <laughs> we have we have the excess of the heat. They have the excess of the cold. Yeah. You get. And then Nairobi just has, just right. Perhaps that's why Nairobians are so chill, because the weather is perfect. When I think about a place like Lagos, where heat waves are the norm, and the people are always so aggressive and angry, it makes total sense, right? I mean, this sun can frustrate you and make you the worst version of yourself. In fact, the only time Kenyans or Nairobians complain about the weather is when it rains. Apparently when it rains, it, it can be um, really bad because sometimes it floods, depending on the area. And um, their roads are not really equipped to handle that kind of, of um, pressure. And more on that later on. But apart from that, it's, it's, it's the shit. And my skin has also benefited from the, from the weather. So you know why Nairobi is a city that is after my own heart. Next up is the food. To me, with my palate, 
I'd say food is not their strong suit on an international level. It's not piss. God, no. It's just really nothing special. It isn't the tastiest. I mean, it's not bad, but I, I can't recall having any particularly special culinary experience. Particularly when it came to meat. I love meat. I'm a meat connoisseur. I don't play with my meat. And I know well-prepared meat when I taste it. And Nairobi was not it. I'm sorry. Whether, be, whether, whether it was a fancy restaurant or a traditional spot, I was always left wanting. And when I think about the lengths Nigerians go to make suya, asun, that's goat meat, peppered gizzard, and the like, I can say for certain that meat is not their strong suit. You know how we do. Oh, and, and, and they, they can't stand pepper. They make killer mashed potatoes, though. I'll give them that. I'll give them that. Now, let's talk about the women. I know this is what you guys have been waiting for. I'm about to give you guys an honest appraisal of these, these ladies. <clears throat> you ready? <clears throat> Kenyan ladies were perhaps my, my second favorite thing about this trip. Let me tell you, these women are the real positive vibes. Not the stuff we have about on social media. I'm talking, their energy is pure. They are smart, strong, soft-spoken, and emotionally intelligent. Every conversation was stimulating. They say what they mean and mean what they say with unabashed realness. Unlike some other women I know. Did you catch that shade? <laughs> In general, they are happy and haven't been warped by their negative experiences with men. And let me tell you, Kenyan men are some of the most disappointing men out there. Did I just say that? Yes, I did. And you don't have to take my word for it. This is straight out of the horse's mouth. And by horses, I mean Kenyan women. This is, these are their own words. I think, that that, I think that's, that's a major difference I noticed between Kenyan women and, say, Nigerian women. Kenyan women will admit that their main, that, that their main ain't shit. You know, their men are scum, but, but it didn't translate into something toxic in their personalities. You know, they would intimate to me their rape stories or, or being abandoned by their baby fathers or just the general social dynamics in the society between men and women. Yet, they are still all about moving forward, being mature and open to new experiences. Unfortunately, I can't say the same for Nigerian girls. Mm. Nigerian girls really, really internalize their struggle, their negative experiences with men, and it shows. And Nigerian men are among the most desirable in the world, even in Nigeria. Yet, they still have so much trouble, you know, accepting us or dealing with us. I mean, it's so palpable how poorly Nigerian women carry their suffering. Women in general don't deal well with the things that they, they, they endure in this patriarchal society. And who can blame them? Being a woman is deathly hard, yo. It's... And I get it. So I, I, I'm not holding this against anyone. Anyway, Kenyan girls will tell me how toxic their men are. The word that I, that I heard the most was lazy. Yes, lazy. The average Kenyan woman is more industrious than the average Kenyan man. I noticed that as well. People told me that just in general. And, and, and the women get the higher pay, paying jobs because... They are more hardworking and ambitious. And I, will, I will, and I will explain why in some detail later on. Don't worry. We are about to deep dive into some serious Kenyan history. But as I was saying, Kenyan girls are the best. This is not an exaggeration. From my experience with women around the world, I can speak for myself and say this with my chest. There's a lot, of, there's a lot that the women listening to this episode can learn from them. Oh, and there are tribes in Kenya that are run by matriarchy. You're like by, by matriarchy. Like we know there's, there's, there, there are patriarchies, but Kenya has matriarchies. And a matriarchy, just in case you don't know, is a system of society or government ruled by a woman or women. And we'll get to that soon. Kenyan women are just so incredibly independent financially. In fact, the men tend to rely more on the women for their financial needs. Check that. <laughs> and the story behind this is really deep, and I'll, I'll explain in a bit. Now, 
Kenyan men. Where do I begin? Kenyan men are special. Because Kenya is a multi-tribe country, the attitudes and characteristics of Kenyan men vary across tribes, based on what I was told. Same goes for women, but I think it's more pronounced among men. From my experience, Kenyan men are nice and cordial and respectful, but they are also, they are, they are also super passive-aggressive. I mean, beneath their presentable surface lies some pretty insidious issues. Issues that were intimated to me by, by the women I talked to. So where do I begin? Okay, for starters, they are extremely tribalistic. In general, Kenyans are tribalistic, but and even more than Nigerians. You think Nigeria is tribalistic? Wait till you see what. Wait, wait, wait till you, you sip some of that Kenyan juice. But Kenyan take Kenyans take the cake, and Kenyan men specifically eat that cake and have it. <laughs> I mean, I learned I learned of a tribe of Kenyan men that in colonial times were known for going hard for the money. By hard, I mean hard, and they are the Kikuyu tribe. Kikuyu, that is K-I-K-U-Y-U, Kikuyu. And this Kikuyu tribe, they're the majority in Kenya. They are all about making money and owning businesses and just balling. You think Igbos love money? Kikuyu men love money. In fact, I was, told, I was told that the only way Kikuyu men can take a woman serious is if she's bringing business to the man, if she's contributing to his hustle. So Kenyan women particularly the ones from that Kikuyu tribe, in order to make themselves viable options for marriage, they are raised to develop that mental strength, that ambitious attitude, that entrepreneurial mindset. To the point where the, the, the stereotype is, if you marry a Kikuyu woman, you can never be poor. To the point where these women, as a result of their empowerment, are unimpressed by their unambitious men. That's how on the ball Kenyan women are. So when I say that they are hardworking, this is what, what I mean. So, whereas other patriarchies have it that women should be merely subservient, good at making babies, keeping a home, and depending on the men, Kenyan patriarchy actually creates capable women. It's a, it's a very interesting dynamic. And this goes back to what I said earlier about them, you know, being more hardworking and, and earning more. But it gets dark, though. These Kikuyu men are known to abandon their families completely in pursuit of the mula. They just leave. They marry, make, make, make babies, and disappear, basically. They prioritize their businesses and their hustle over everything. And that's a, and that's a big turn-off for, for Kenyan women. At, at one point during the colonial era, this particular tribe had to develop a very strong matriarchal system, whereby the mothers and grandmothers ran the communities while the men were away trying to find their fortunes. The men would just send money home and leave the women to run things. And boy, did they run things. And it gets darker. These women took on so much responsibility that the men just stopped pitching in completely. They became emasculated and resentful and lazy and they became liabilities, especially the poorer men. Um, they just stopped contributing. But alas, it gets even darker. This, these emasculated men, right? They turn to alcoholism in order to cope with their women running things. Which is why Kenya in general has a high drinking population. A very bad drinking habit. I mean, Kenyans drink for days. It's quite, it's quite bad, honestly. So, the men would spend their weekends away drinking to their deaths while the women stayed home, horny and unattended to, while still holding things down at home. It got so bad that the women went on strike to protest the lack of attention given to them by their men. Kenya is deep, yo. I was just in awe listening to all these things. The colonial times were wild, and I bet you thought it couldn't get any darker. <laughs> Hold my beer. So, this alcoholic or this alcohol affliction became generational, as kids born during this period grew up without fathers, without any strong male figures to look up to. And this led to a generation of men who believed that they don't have to be present in their families as long as they provide. A generation of men that, don't, that, that their women don't hold in high regard. A generation of men who leave the burden of providing for the family on women. A generation of men who are lazy, entitled, and dependent on said women. A generation of men who are resentful, passive-aggressive, and bitter. And even then, priority is still given to the male gender in Kenya. And that's how insidious patriarchy is, people.
even in a world run by women, unremarkable men still get the fucking cake. Excuse my French, but I just, it, I, as in, I, I get why women are so mad. I get it. And the young women today in Kenya, the young Kenyan women today, who are just coming to terms with this reality, they truly resent it. They resent, you know, the lack of options, of, of good male options. You know, patriarchy has, patriarchy always wins, yo. That's, that's what it is. So it, it explains why whenever I would ask a Kenyan woman what she thought about Kenyan men, they would never, and I mean never, have any good things to say. They wouldn't, they wouldn't flat out rubbish them, but they would calmly express how unremarkable, underwhelming, and unsatisfying they are. And Nigerian girls thought they had it bad. Y'all, 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 y'all should appreciate us. We try. You know, Kenyan women, Kenyan women look upon their men with disdain and contempt, sometimes even pity. Nigerian women also resent us. I mean, women generally resent men. That's feminism, right? But not for the same reason and not with the same wisdom as Kenyan women. You, you, you get what I'm saying? I mean, Kenyan women opened up to me telling me how there's a lack of viable options in the dating pool. They just don't see their men as being on the same level with them. That's why foreigners do well with the women when they traveled or moved to Kenya. Because they're everything Kenyan women wish their men were. Even when it comes to platonic relationships, Kenyan women just don't see Kenyan men as their intellectual or social equals. Uh, I'm sorry to say. And I can see why, just from my interactions, I could, I could, I could get a sense, you know, that this, was, that this could be the case. But then until they said it with their own mouths, you know, I, I thought, wow, let me, let me catch my breath for a bit. Let me take a sip of water, please. Forgive me. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> so, where was I? Kenyan women. Their biggest worry and frustration is that they may have to eventually settle because high-quality partners are so rare. Basically, Kenyan men are comfortable sitting back while letting the women do everything, including things such as buying land. Yes, buying land. It might not seem like a big deal to my international and Nigerian listeners, but if you knew what it took to buy land in Kenya, you would understand. So here I am, listening to these deeply personal stories, and I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of how different, how different societies navigate gender roles. Nigerian men, despite their low opinion of women, still shoulder and take pride in being present providers for their families. Kenyan men are double trouble. They don't see their women as anything, neither do they provide for their families. As with all things, this is all generalization. There are always outliers and people who, you know, go against the grain. But more than you think, I mean, more than you think, but this is, this is the norm in Kenya. Kenyan women want men who lead, provide, and are role models for their sons and daughters while they, the women, support their efforts. But the men just want to chop life, as we see, <laughs> at the expense of the women. It's almost a reversal of what we see here in Nigeria, where a small section of young girls, I said small low, just want to marry wealthy and contribute little to nothing while living their best life. That's Kenyan men, in a nutshell. These women resent the average entitled Kenyan man who doesn't work to earn a woman's trust, respect, love, and affection. Kenyan men believe it's a given, a right, by virtue of being men, and it frustrates the average Kenyan woman. They are expected to take care of these men the same way their mothers and sisters did for them. Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, I could go on and on. I listened, and I understood, and I'm reminded, even as I record this, to check myself, to check my privilege, to check, you know, the ways that being a male, especially a firstborn male, plays, you know, how that affects women in my community, my society, my family. With each, with each woman I talked to, I developed a deeper understanding of a lot of the issues women all over the world lament about. And this is mostly because of how it was expressed. We all know how vitriolic women, 
So I could go on and on. I listened and I understood. And I'm reminded, even as I record this, to check myself, to check my male privilege. With each woman I talk to, I developed a deeper understanding of a lot of the issues women the world over lament about. And this is mostly, and this, I mean, this mostly has to do with how these women expressed their feelings. We all know how vitriolic women, especially feminists, can be when it comes to gender issues. The hatred is real as ever. And what happens is that men automatically become defensive and shut out, and shut out the message when, they, when, when, they're, when they're, you know, faced with women's feelings about, you know, the, the system and the way society has undermined them. But how do you expect a man in a patriarchal society to understand and respond? How do you expect to persuade him when you speak, when you as a woman speak with such bitterness? And I always say to social justice warriors, I say to them, your anger is justified, but your delivery is flawed. So rather than having an an honest, open conversation, you're having to deal with a man responding with, not all men. Because... The, generaliza- the generalizations are just too damn high, too damn much. As I said earlier, Kenyan women are soft-spoken and very emotionally intelligent. I kid you not. They speak with care and calm and such articulateness that is uncommon anywhere else in the world, especially when expressing their pain. I mean, I remember when I, when I was talking to this young lady here, I mean, there in, Nai- in Nairobi, and oh yeah, and she, this lady has the most interesting name, anybody, let alone an African, could ever have. Fane. That's her name. Fane. As in cellophane. Spelt F-A-N-E. Not Fane or Fanny. I mean, there's no African-ness to it. It's not short for anything. It's not even a pet name that her mom or dad gave to her. It's, It's just Fane. And I love it. I swear Kenyans are peculiar, you know? But anyway... This young lady who's studying to be a lawyer was telling me about the time she almost got raped by a former friend at his house. And she spoke on the experience and the the trauma with such clarity and control. She just told it and let it go. And by the the way, this is is the girl with whom I was talking about the weather um, earlier in that recording. And yes, I have her rape story on record. I'm not sure when I'll share that, but, but yeah. So when you listen to some of these these women speak, you're compelled to listen. Even Kenyan men would admit this. They admit that their women are are, are class, badassy bad. I would even go as far as to say that Kenya is blessed to have the kind of women they have because things could be so much worse. I mean, the state of a country is is often a reflection of the quality of the citizens, and that is evident in Kenya. Look at Nigeria by contrast. From top to bottom, we're lacking. And it shows. It shows. Like most African countries, they have a lot of baggage. But thank God they have good weather. (laughs) Everything is bearable when you have good weather. If not, they'd be as angry and as dysfunctional as Nigeria is. Man. I I need to take a sip again. Mm. Kenya has a very complex society, to be honest. And there's so many interesting dynamics I can't even get into because of time and because there's so many things to remember. I mean, the best part about talking with these women is that, as I pointed out earlier, they don't internalize the challenges they face. And I think it's as a result of their being raised to be, to be empowered and strong. Not in the general overplayed sense of what, people, of what it means to be a strong woman, quote-unquote. Not that. I mean, strength is not just about being able to endure pain, but also how you endure it. I don't know how to explain it. I, 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 know, it sounds, I know what it sounds like when a Nigerian girl speaks about their experiences and their feelings about Nigerian men. The resentment goes deep into the soul. It's hate mixed with love, but mostly hate. It's, it's seeing only the worst in the opposite gender. It's making gener- generalizations that are so gross that they are simply false. It's taking out their frustrations on each other. I'm blaming the, 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 the patriarchy. It's everything but choosing to work through it. It's all or nothing. It's some perverse, poorly thought out need 
um, thought out thought out need for 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 equality across the board. It's equality of outcome instead of equality of opportunity. It's a misguided disdain for the basic gender roles that ensures society thrives and families are sustained. Kenyan women understand the need for roles so long as they don't limit or oppress them. Simple. That was so poignant to me. I mean, they don't mind cooking and cleaning or raising kids or whatever as long as their partner treats them with respect and gentle firmness. They understand the need for a leader and a follower and how we can work flawlessly if both people are high-quality individuals. What they want is not too much to ask. It's not. But the average social media feminist wants too much. They want... They, I'm not even going to get into that. You guys know how you roll. And I speak, I speak about Nigerian women in particular because I'm most familiar with them. And not all Nigerian women, though. Just the millennials who are just realizing that life is hard and somehow all men are to blame. Who were told that patriarchy was the enemy. Who were made to believe that their every problem was caused by men. And that the only way to solve it is to be angry, be mean and be deaf. What they don't tell them is that patriarchy, like matriarchy, is just a system. And systems are created to make sure things run in an orderly fashion in a chaotic world. In an ideal world, either system could work. But human beings being human beings always mess things up. Not men, not women, human beings. Both women and men have contributed to the state of the current affairs when it comes to gender roles and, and the issues we face right now. I know feminists like to wax lyrical about how everything's about men. But when you really think about it, when you think about it critically and creatively, it's easy to see that human nature is what is at fault here. So demonizing any one gender is pointless and it's crude and it's unintelligent. It's lazy thinking. It's just lazy. You know, whew. but one thing you, 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 you absolutely must prevent against is channeling your frustration in the wrong way. Letting it change you for the worst. Letting it warp you. And Nigerian girls are warped, mostly. I mean, look, please don't take this the wrong way, but I can only speak with, uh, speak to, 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 to what, I've, what I've noticed and what I've felt. You know, whether on social media or in person, Nigerian girls have become warped by their experiences. Kenyan women take their own challenges on the chin. They speak their truth and get back to what is important. They are committed to bettering themselves and their circumstances, with or without men. That's the message I received. That's why I say they're the real positive vibes. I thought it was just me, but even Nigerian men that I met over there also confirmed my conclusion. I mean, they didn't have even they didn't they didn't converse as deeply as I did with them, but they just had good things to say about Kenyan women in general. And the one Nigerian guy who had a, a negative experience with the Kenyan woman was actually at fault. He brought the crazy out of her. See, Nigerians, we have serious demons. Even when we go to a good place, we're still trying to fuck it up for others. But I digress. I'm willing to consider the fact that maybe it's just me. Perhaps it's because I was genuinely interested in what they had to say and I empathized. Perhaps it was my face. Perhaps it's because I'm a foreigner. I don't know. But what I do know is that I don't have these kinds of feelings for other women in general. Obvi obviously, in every society or country, there are remarkable women here and there. But never have I ever been somewhere where this is just the norm. Most Kenyan women are, as I described, they are raised right, respectful, chill, strong, and sexy at the same damn time. Even the crazy ones are still class. And I met a, I met a couple. I met a couple, you know, uh, it's, it's unbelievable and underrecognized. They are quite possibly Africa's best kept secret. But I'm going to wait till I, till I visit other places and, and see what's up. But at this moment, at this very moment, they are top in my book. Not one of these ladies I was privileged to get close to harbored any real ill feelings. Let me reiterate. These women are some of the most mature human beings I have ever met. I don't say this lightly. 
I'm not easily impressed. I'm a good judge of character and I know this is true because I have seen how the mentality of Kenyan women has rubbed off on a Nigerian woman who lives and works here in Nairobi. I met this 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 lady in her early 30s when when I got here like about a week um into my my trip. I met her um via Twitter. She lives and works in Nairobi. She moved to Nairobi about 4 years ago from Nigeria and her friends are mostly Kenyan women. And I immediately noticed how she she is better by being here by being there in Nairobi I mean I could tell that she's very much Nigerian but without to- the toxicity so it's not like she changed or she's you know she 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 has her, her Nigerian accent she has her Nigerian sensibilities she has you know she she she's a Nigerian through and through but without the toxicness do you get what I'm saying she was just a good time to be around I I remember thinking to myself if I met this lady in Nigeria we could never be friends cuz i know how nigeria can bring out the worst in you i know how she would i can just i could just imagine what she would be like because her personality is such that it's easy for me to imagine her at her most toxic and she would also admit it this is a woman she's a very honest lady she speaks her mind speaks her truth i love it and it's just wham bam thank you ma'am and this is a woman i would have avoided under normal circumstances but she soaked in a lot of the positive things that i love about kenyan women and she's thriving. She's living her best life. She would invite me out for a night out with her friends, with with her, with her female Kenyan friends, and I would just observe, listen to their stories, their history, their wins and losses in all of their sisterhood and how how this Nigerian babe is slowly blossoming into the into her best self as a result of all that positivity. I told you again, Kenyan women are real positive vibes. You know, moving to Nairobi was the best thing that ever happened to her. We all know how toxic Nigeria is now. We know how everyone here is mad. The sun is mad. The dust is mad. The streets are mad. The, uh, Pretty boy Dio was. You know how you know his song now. Everything bo elbow. Everything chop elbow. That song. That's Nigeria is just. We everyone is crazy here, and it's hard not to develop madness yourself when you're in this environment. But but Nairobi can and will detoxify you. Take my word for it. You know, I I can't help but feel sorry for women who internalize their suffering, and it shows in their actions, in their thoughts, in their opinions, and how they how they see the world, the the the, the walls that they have built. And there there are some things you can't hide. You can't hide behind makeup. Perhaps that's why Nigerians have some of the best makeup artists in the world. <laughs> you know, how do you expect to get the good things you want out of life when you harbor so much hate, resentment, and bitterness? when you refuse to take responsibility how do you expect to to attract the kind of mate you want when you expect the worst from men 100% of the time what exactly are you going to contribute when it's time to settle down uh, when 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 you have that kind of, that this this on ideal attitude life is simple the quality of your mind determines the quality of your life and kenyan women know this and it's time women the world over knew this too Be careful what you internalize because it changes you. It becomes you and it shows. That said, all that said, Nigerian women are amazing. They are honest to God. You know, I mean I know what I said and I know how how it has sounded this whole time, but I hold them in high regard. Don't get it twisted. Don't let this confuse you. Nothing compares to a Nigerian woman at her best. My only problem is right now that they're not operating at their best because they're 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 not carrying their suffering well. Nothing compares to a happy woman in general. A woman who is in her element is undefeated. Know that if you didn't know that today. But bitterness robs you of your shine, of your glow. And now you're, you 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 it's I mean just reason it. I don't know how else to say it again. I know some of you will say that I'm victim blaming or victim shaming. or pressing the victim or whatever else you guys like to say to protect your egos but this is the truth as i see it you can you can you can either consider it or dismiss it my own is that i have said it yeah i said it it had to be said i said what i said and i'm saying it with my chest and that's the general difference between nigeria and kenya we both have our issues both politically socially and tribally and every other way imaginable 
Kenya just handles theirs better. And that's the tea. Now, for the nightlife. Kenyan nightlife is lit. Every night is a party, no joke. They, they know how to turn up with all the drugs and alcohol you need. Doesn't matter if it's the weekend or a weekday or a Sunday. The bars and clubs are perpetually full after work hours. It's all fun, but it's not really my speed. Now, I got bored of the nightlife after the first week. I mean, they have variety. I mean, reggae, bar, reggae bars, jazz bars, house bars, Afrobeat bars, Mexican bars. I mean, they cater for everybody. There's a party for everybody. That's why Nairobi's so dope. The downside is that on the weekends, there tends to be a spike in drunk driving accidents, which leads to my next bone. The roads. I dreaded moving around for the simple reason that they have poorly made roads. They're, they're, so, they're so poorly constructed, the roads be, and they become worse when it, when it rains. You would think I'd be used to that coming from Nigeria, but theirs is a bit different. I mean, a bit different. They have incredibly narrow roads, first of all. And then they are now bad. And, and the few ones are only on the, on the, on the highways. So on these, on these narrow inner street roads, there are, there are tiny potholes everywhere. Not, not big ones. I mean, there's some big ones. But in general, in general they're, they're just tiny ones that litter the roads. And I can't remember ever having a smooth ride except on the highway. Every ride was so bumpy. It was impossible. Like, like, not bumpy. Like, it was just like that. That's just continuously climbing stuff. It was impossible to get a selfie in a moving car. And you know how I like my selfies. Damn. It was one of those little annoyances. But Nairobi also has its share of traffic. And they complain a lot of, they also, and they complain a lot about it. It just it doesn't help that they have narrow roads, so you can imagine how that can be on, on uh, during rush hour. But let me be clear. Their traffic does not compare to what we have in Nigeria, particularly in Lagos. There's levels to this traffic thing. And what makes their, what makes their traffic particularly bearable is that they have very good driving etiquette. That's another good thing I like about Nairobi. Unlike Nigeria, where it's a comp- competition of who is, who is the most crazy, they are so organized in Nairobi. They never honk. They obey traffic rules. Pedestrians get the right of way every time. You'd be wondering if this, if this is the same Africa we're, we're, we're in. You know, they always slow down when a pedestrian is, is attempting to cross the road. Always. Try to Nigeria first. <laughs> oh, and the weather makes waiting in, in traffic also bearable. I mean, they have no idea how good they have it. And by now, you must have noticed that the weather is a, is a recurring theme in this, in this episode. And that's because I can't overstate how amazing the weather is if i could put their weather in a bottle and bring it back here i would pay the right of admission you gotta feel it to believe it so back to the roads theirs is the most sane traffic you'll ever experience i remember one time i was having lunch at a restaurant in a busy part of town in the central business district just opposite a major road there was traffic but i didn't notice because they were so civil I couldn't even hear car engines, and I was right across the street. As a Nigerian, it's, it's hard to imagine an African city could achieve this level of sanity and organization. It's just a subtle reminder how warped Nigeria really is. You know. So the main reason I went to Nairobi was to honor the invitation I was given to speak on creativity at the Nairobi Art Center. And it's all because of this podcast. It turned out that a member of their management came across it and something resonated with them. What I thought was going to be a packed event, though, turned out to be an intimate one because only about 10 people came out to listen to me, you know, speak. Thankfully, it was one of those situations where quality trumps quantity because these 10 people in attendance were such class, just in typical Nairobi fashion, both the men and the women. They came ready to learn and to engage, uh, and they, they, they more than made up for their for for the, for the lack of you know attendance with their with their enthusiasm. We had such enlightening conversations on everything from religion to politics to abortion and mental health. It was two hours of pure intellectual stimulation. I'm really grateful for the opportunity, and what a way to, to introduce myself to the, to the Nairobian public, 
if only 10 people. <laughs> Humble beginnings, right? But don't worry. I intend to earn the numbers. Go search YouTube to see the clips of the talk. Search The Creative Habit on YouTube and you should find them. You'll see clips uh, of, of me in a black sweater in the thumbnail. I encourage you to, work, to, 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 to watch it. I made so much sense, if I do say so myself. <laughs> anyway, after the event, I was approached by a young lady and her friend who invited me to, to have drinks with them at a bar nearby. We developed a relationship and now she's going to speak her truth on the next segment of this episode. I can't wait for you to hear from the lovely McKenna in our 20-minute conversation. Up next. Hello, McKenna. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. Good evening. Good evening to you, too. You're welcome mm-hmm. to the uh, Creative uh, Habit Podcast. Uh, I'm Rodney. Well, you know, my, you know me already, but um, <laughs> yes. this, is, this is McKenna Obura. She's an interior designer and um, a fashion designer as well. Please welcome McKenna. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Rodney. Yeah, and uh, we, we met, we first met um, at my, my, my talk um, in Nairobi at uh, the, the Art Center. Uh, can you tell me, what, what, was that, what was that like for you? That was actually really, really good. It was a really good time. It was a really good talk that we had. Um, very informative. You were very, you were like, it was like talking to old friends. That's how you made you feel. You know how you go into, into some of these forums and they're so stiff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yours was, yours was really, really good. I'm, 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 I'm glad you feel that way. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I'll tell you something that, um, I don't say often, right? Yeah. I, uh, when I, when I got there. And there mm-hmm. were only like 10 people. Yeah. You know, I was like, only 10? You know, I was, I, was, I, was actually, I was actually like questioning that. Like I expected more. So I was like, you know, um, probably that's, that, that also added to that, um, that conversational old friend feel that you talk about. Yeah. You know, because it was like just um, 10 people, it was not really intimate. Became only really yes, intimate. it was very yeah, and we're able to um, really um, dive in. I, I, I can't imagine it being the same in a, in a much bigger... If it was um, like a larger setting. Yeah, yeah, or if you had um, more people. I don't know how yeah. that would, Yeah, I doubt it would be the same way. But um, yeah, that was uh, part of it. And at the same time, I was feeling like, you know what? There should be more people. And I was kind of feeling, feeling like, like entitled in a way. But then at the same time, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then at the same time, um, my other self, you know, I have these talks myself sometimes, and, and he popped up and was like, nigga, who, who do you, you know, who do you think <laughs> you are? Did you, you have get? to check yourself? Did you have to check yourself? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> who do you think you are? You know? But I say this, for your first turnout, it wasn't... Um, not a lot of people knew about it because I got to find out about it like two days before. Mm-hmm. It was a good turnout. The people that were there actually yeah. left feet, like, you know, they got something. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the receptionist uh, told me that, um, you know, part, part of the reason that it was a, it was a uh, small turnout was because um, of the timing, 5 p.m. on a what, Friday, that people, mm. are going, people are going to the bars, you know, Kiza and all those places. You remember how we went after the show? We had to go. Yeah. And the, and, and the bars were filled already. <laughs> so that was like the most amazing thing I did. I just looked at you and I was like, so, um, hi, Rodney. My name is McKenna. And this is what we're going to do after. We're going to go drink. And you're coming with us. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you just gave me no choice. Gave me I no didn't choice. give you a choice. I didn't give you a choice. <laughs> it was actually, I think that was like the best thing I did. Yeah, yeah, because um, yeah. um, it's led to all of this, hasn't it? Yes, it has, and it's amazing. Mm, oh, yeah, tell me about it, tell me about it. <laughs> so, uh, you're, uh, you're an interior designer. Yes, what's I am. That, what, what's that like in Nairobi? Just give us, give us the, the breakdown. Let me give you the breakdown. So, mm. um, interior design in this country has changed drastically over the years. Mm-hmm. 
uh, people are a bit more open-minded about, you know, trying out different things. Okay. Which is very, very good. Although we do have a lot of uh, stuff coming in from outside the country, mm-hmm. we are promoting and using our local artisans a bit more. And the quality is actually getting, like, really, really good. Like, Kenya is fast-tracking its way into, like, interior design heights. But, but what... what, what... But what's it like for you? Like, what's what's your creative process? How do you how do you approach the craft of interior design? Like, I want you to, uh, to put on, put on your artist heart, hat right now and. Know, gonna, oh, let's yeah. see, let's see how we do this. All right, so like, you want to know what I go through if a client comes to me? Yeah, you know when you're when you're trying to, to arrange a space, and to uh, uh, you know you know you have to know first of all the first things you do when you're trying to arrange a space is this. What is the function of the space? What, what is it being used for? What is, uh, who is your client? You see, every single client has a different personality. Mm. Their space has to capture who they are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean, which doesn't mean that you, that you don't put your, your stamp on it. Mm-hmm. You have to capture it. Like if I was to come and do your space for you, Mm-hmm. I have to be able, the space has to embody you as a person. Naturally, yeah. Uh, naturally, because if you don't, then your client leaves happy. Mm. At the end of the day, it's the, if the client's happy, then <laughs> hats off to you. So this is me. When I, when I meet a client, of course, I'll get to know what you like, what you don't like. Of course, there are those clients who will tell you, oh, I really want this. And you can for sure see that something doesn't work. So you kind of have to. Hold on. Does this happen? Um, does this happen while you? Uh, what do you call it? Like with with re- residential clients or with corporate clients? Like like. Every single kind of client you get. It doesn't matter whether it's corporate or whether it's residential. All the clients are the same. So okay, okay. So let let's say you're working with a co- with a corporate entity now, right? Um, okay. And. So you're, you're trying. So what what are you trying to capture here now? If you're trying to uh, to do their room, are you? Is it the personality of the person or the, or the brand? No, the brand. It has to mm. capture their brand. What, what yeah. is the brand want to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What to be known as. So you have to capture that and put in your personality as well for them to stand out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so what are your challenges though? Oh, there are so many challenges when it comes to interior design. Um, Kenya, we don't have a lot in the market mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in terms of, first of all, number one, things are very expensive here. Oh yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. Things are very expensive and budget, budget, budget is the biggest thing that will like you, the client wants good work, but to convince someone to spend, you know, that extra amount mm-hmm. usually is a bit, you know, on the tricky side. Yeah. If you can find now, Number one is budget. Number two, finding good artisans. You can get a good artisan, but if they're not able to deliver, what happens to you? Wait, wait, hold on. It's, it's Kenya. I, I wouldn't think that having like, like artisans would be a problem. Like, that's basically what you guys make your money of. So how, how would that be a problem? I thought it would be easier we to do. find artisans there. We do. It's everybody. You can find them all over the place. But to find somebody who can deliver... Delivery, oh. deliver and deliver at the precise time, mm-hmm. and precise manner. That's and, hard. You know, that's that's very. Diff- Those are some of the complications that we face as interior designers. Yeah, but I do like a challenge. I do like a challenge. So when I deliver something on time, mm-hmm. the way the client likes it. It gets to show that, yes, there are people who, you know, you have to also know who you're working with. Mm-hmm. You have to have a set of people who, who work at your pace, who understand you, who know, what you, who know your standards. So, so who and, are the people you, t- you typically work with? Like, who are people? Like, um, what are their, their skill sets or their... Uh, I their... work with carpentry. Yeah? I work, I do a lot of woodwork. Mm-hmm. I work with a lot of furniture design makers. I work with a lot of um, anything that involves textiles. I'm there. I work with uh, painters. Mm. 
and what I like to do is I like to, I just don't want to go into a shop and buy you something. I will design it for you and I will find somebody to make it for you. I will use my people to be able to make it for you. That's, that's what's up. So that means you're at, at any given time, you're juggling a lot of people. Yes. You have to learn how to juggle a lot of people. Then that's, so, that's how so you, my company runs. Yeah. Okay. So, so you personally, you do both the, um, the designing and the managing of all those. Yes, parts. I do. I do. Uh, that must I take its toll. It takes its toll, but I, it's, it's how I like my craft. And how I've gotten to, you know, give it that personal touch. Yeah, give it that, yeah, je, yeah. you know, je ne sais quoi. Yeah. So who, who do you look, look up to? Whether in, whether in the field of interior design or, you know, just um, whatever in, in general. Oh, who do I look up to? Man, there are so many people that I look up to. Um, First of all, I have, I look up to anybody who's able to own their craft and own it really, really well. It takes, it takes a lot to like, you know, master your craft. Anyone um, specific? Let me see. Oh, that's putting me on the spot. Now, now I have to pick up. Like, all right, who am I going to, who am I going to use? Um, let's see. Okay, so first of all, when it comes to... I'll start with photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, she's Kenyan. Mm-hmm. She's called Lyra Alko. Her photography is like... It's, it's amazing. She's very young. Oh. So, yeah, she's young. She's about, she's about our age group. Okay. She's, yeah, she's absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. God smacking Lee. Like, her work is crazy. What, what, what's her, what's the subject matter? A subject matter, she does pretty much anything. She'll do for you, she'll do studio shots, she'll do portraits, um, she'll do furniture, she'll do product. You mm. know, it all depends. Yeah, it all depends on what... Have you worked with her? No, I have not worked with her, but I would absolutely love to work with her. Uh-huh. She would be, yeah, that's like my 2019 goal. I have to be able to work with her. Make it, make it happen. Make it happen. I will make, I will make it happen. I will make it happen. I think I, yeah. I was thinking about it the whole of this year. And, you know, I've watched her come up and where she is now. I'm like, yes, she's one, she's one to watch for sure. Uh, dope, 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 dope. Yeah. I, um, I, of course, know, then I, I like to you. think. Then there's you, Mr. Amazing. Who? You. Well. Oh. <laughs> You look up to me? Like, look up to me? Uh, I only just met you. But I keep telling you, your work is fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, that, that, yes. that never gets old, hearing that. No, it doesn't get old. It doesn't get old. <laughs> Not at all. Then, who else? What else do you want to know? So, in photography, I've got that done. Uh, design-wise. Can you, can you describe your best self when it comes to your craft? Oh like what, my goodness, my like best what, self. Whether, whether you're there or not, like, what would that look like? You at your, how, how, how would you imagine you at your peak? Oh my God, I would have. So the future, I'm going to give you an in to Kenzie Designs. Oh, don't forget, you're giving all of us an in. I'm giving entire... all, all of you guys an in into Kenzie Designs. Because Kenzie Designs is a fashion and an interior design based company. Mm-hmm. And me at my peak is being mm-hmm. able to branch out into all aspects of design, be it fashion, be it mm-hmm. interior, mm-hmm. be it photography. Like I am literally going to have from cushions to homeware, the homeware to um, tables, to chairs, to clothes, all I under That's me being at my peak, all and everything designed by me, handmade in Kenya. I see, I see. Yeah, handmade in Kenya. Did you study in school? Yes, I did. I am, my background, my initial background is actually in fashion design and merchandising. Yeah. Yeah. And I am self-taught in the interior design department. Oh, yeah? Yes. Okay, I've been in the interior. Uh-huh. 
So that's an interesting piece of fun information. Facts. Yes, yeah. fun fact. Uh, self-taught been there for three years. And now you're here. And now I'm here on the creative habit. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's trippy. Like it's tripping me out. It's a trip. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's uh, oh, uh, those of you who are um, wondering what she looks like, uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna put. Well, she's up on my page right now, my, my Instagram page. So if you wanna, if you wanna know. You wanna, if you want to put a face to the voice, you can just go and look at my page and see what's up. Anyway, okay. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah cause I Because I was just thinking about you laughing, and I was like, I can just imagine what you're looking like right now laughing. So yeah. um, I wanted the, the audience to, to get a sense of that. So uh, okay. McKenna. Yes. Yeah, so McKenna, um, you're, you're, you're trying to, um, you know, do so much. What else, what else outside of uh, interior outside design and fashion are you learning? Yeah. Um, so I do have an events company. Oh yeah. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> I do. We, I have an event. I have a partner of mine, a friend, a very close friend of mine. Mm-hmm. We do an event called Art and Sip. Art and Sip. Yes. There's, there's something here called Paint and Sip. Is that is that kind of the concept? No. Yeah. Well, almost. But for mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. it has. Um, we have a twist to it. So Art and Sip, we have different people who, you know, we're, we're tasting different sorts of alcoholic beverages in the, in the industry. And you get mm-hmm. an evening of painting with us. And uh, we get to collect, you know, different things for the homeless. So the first one we did, mm-hmm. it is for charity. This is all for a good cause. So we do. So we do collect like clothes and um, sanitary towels and food to hand off to the homeless, you know, children's homes and stuff like that. I see. I see. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. Well, um, McKenna, it seems we're about to reach uh, the time limit for this uh, conversation. Yes. But um, this was great. I think I think we were able to do a lot in this short time, and I thank you for coming on. Thank um, you for having me. Well, what, what's your Instagram so that those can check you out? You want to see what see your work? Okay, they can check me out on Kenzie Designs. Kenzie Designs at Kenzie Designs on IG. Yes, at Kenzie oh. Designs on IG. All right. You will be right. able to follow. You will be able to follow my design journey. Um, if you want to check out other stuff that I have done, that's not design. I we could have a shot of espresso so I cook as well. Side note. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Rodney. It was like, what do you like to do? <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah. and, and then I've got art sip events. All right. Yeah. Uh, so you can check me out, follow me, you know, ask me whatever you want to ask me. And I'd love to collaborate with different people. Yes, that's also that's also key. Thank you yes. very very much. Um, I think you, you can you can get some 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 artists here who can send in designs for your own designs. I, anyway, I don't know. You know, let me know. But just, oh. You guys just reach out and see what you can do with this. Yeah, reach out. Let's do something. Lady. Let's collaborate on on something. All right. So there goes it. That's that's McKenna Ubera. Thank you for coming on and bye bye. Thank you for having me, Rodney. All right. Creative ladies and gentlemen, that was the lovely McKenna Obura on the Creative Habit Podcast. Do check her out on IG at Kenzie Designs. That's K-E-N-Z-I Designs, one word. And that wraps this episode and the first season of the Creative Habit Podcast. Whew, wow. We are here and... We are square. It has been an absolute pleasure bringing you this content. But before I go, I want to leave you all with my last nugget of the season. Endeavor to finish the year strong. I encourage you to double down before the festivities really begin and build the momentum that will carry you through the new year and beyond. 
you don't want to start building momentum after the the, the, the the first of January. And you know the year doesn't really start until like January 14th as we recover from the from the from the holiday hangover. You want to be charged up by the time the new year rolls around. You want to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Because ladies and gentlemen, 2019 is going to be a big year for some of us. Can you feel it? I can feel it. Don't indulge yourself to the point where you have to start slow in January. Think about it. The head start is crucial. You want to hit the ground running by the time the festivities die down. While everyone else is trying to recover, you're already three months ahead. Take my word for it. Get your affairs in order. Put certain things in place that will allow you to take advantage of the opportunities that are coming. And believe me, they are coming. Okay, so that's that. Back to the matter. I want to use this opportunity to thank everyone that supported me, listened to me, shared and subscribed to this podcast. I am encouraged and I look forward to taking things to the next level come season two. I can't say for certain when that would be, but if you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and wherever else, you will know what's up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your, for your support. My core fans, you guys are it. And I don't take you for granted. And you know what I realized? This is officially the longest episode I've done so far. And it's also quite possibly the best. I wonder what you guys think. Remember I told you that you're going to either love me or hate me by the time this is done? So I'm curious to know where you guys fall into that, uh, fall with regards to that, you know, thought. Do let me know. I usually try to stay below 20 minutes, but man, I got into a zone, as you can see. And the season finale is the best time to go hard, right? So do share my podcast with your friends and colleagues and family and anyone you think might enjoy or need to hear what I have to say. Subscribe. I'm on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts can be heard, except SoundCloud. Support the creative movement. I'm your host, Rodney. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Avo. Rodney Avo. One word. Seasons greetings and happy new year from me to you. Rodney out.